Thanks be to God for the ways that we get to be together to celebrate this day where we are um, worshiping the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Stony Brook on this beautiful Easter day. We are so glad that you are here worshiping with us today. Last Saturday, the children of Stony Brook and the children of our community got a head start on celebrating Easter. We had about 260 children and adults come to our campus to go through an Easter trail where they got to uh, experience God's resurrecting nature right here on our grounds. And so today we get to catch up with our children who got a head start uh, for us in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am Reverend Jennifer Casey, and I bring you greetings on behalf of our preacher of the day, Reverend Mary Jo Yakel, along with our pastor emeritus, Reverend Bob Thomas. If you are worshiping online with us today, our online worship host is Ben Lilly, our director of youth ministries. So I invite you now at this time to quiet your hearts and your minds as the prelude prepares us for worship.
us pray. Almighty God, through Jesus Christ, you overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we who celebrate this day of our Lord's resurrection may, by the renewing of your spirit, arise from the death of separation to the life of righteousness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I invite you at this time to rise, either in body or in spirit, and keep your singing in your hearts as our choir is our voice through our music today. spirit of prayer. God of new life, we praise your holy name today. It is through you that we experience renewal, recreation, and resurrection for all of the ways you bring forth life from death. We thank you. Every year, spring reminds us of this. We marvel at the wonder of your creativity as the brown grass once again turns green, as the flowers burst forth from the cold ground, as the birds return to the trees, singing songs of your praises. You are beauty, you are sacred, you are majestic, and we will never fully understand your grace in our lives. Forgive us for the ways we deny you, hide from you, and reject you. Draw us to you, O God. Remind us over and over again that you are love. Move us to share your love with others 
so that they too may hear the story of your ability to create and recreate. We pray all of this in the name of the one who births new life in each of us every day, Jesus the Christ. We now join our voices together praying the prayer that he taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. melody and the great way that you all play but don't you kind of groove on that bass stuff you just you blat so well it makes me happy and that was meant as a compliment now we're gonna see if the camera 
wants to follow me just a little bit. Yeah, I got a thumbs up. Hey folks, I'm sorry. I haven't had the privilege of playing with a congregation for a really long time, and I play with a congregation. So the more you wanna play with me, the better this'll go. You see this section over here? We got some little voices going on over here. Would you like to know as adults what your job is? To not worry about the sermon and just delight in your children. Will you do that? And you all, when they start going into their sermon, you focus. <laughs> on what? I'm not going to tell you. Think about it, folks. This kind of gathering is one of the few places where our different ages and our different stages and our different realities mean nothing. We do this together, and I am grateful. Friends, uh, when I first began to integrate into your life as Stony Brook, and now my life in Stony Brook, one of the privileges I had was to be able to sit back every once in a while and let somebody else preach. And in one of the first sermons that Pastor Jennifer shared, she talked about how with her spiritual director, one of the things that she worked on was going from her head and educating her heart. Anybody know that journey? You can think, but feeling is a different kind of story. Well, um, I giggled and I went, oh, we're in trouble because I have to work hard to go from my heart to my head. I live in my heart. It is the first place I have my energy. And God help us all when I don't do the hard work of getting up to my head and engaging. It is an important piece of work. As a result, though, one of the realities of my work as a pastor is I do not present Holy Week. I live Holy Week. So when Thursday comes, it's Monday, Thursday. When Good Friday comes, it's the hard crucifixion. You don't skate through those experiences and really get to the Easter celebration. You got to walk all the way through it. And man, I don't know what it was about this year, but this year Holy Week was hard for me. I, my goodness, one of the ushers came up after the early service and says, oh, Mary Jo, I'm so glad to know that you're okay because I was really worried about you Thursday night. And I went, oops, showed a little too much. But it was a hard Thursday night, and he was reading me well. Something was afoot, and I could feel it in my being. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't get a handle on it. And, and, and it didn't feel real religious, not very pious. And I was fussing. I have learned that that's a better way of saying I was fighting with myself. I was fussing. Finally, after the service of Monday Thursday was over, I sat in the dark in my apartment with one cat on my lap, and I went, wait a minute, I know what's going on here. 
the memory of a not-too-distant past year was at full remembrance. It was the year I entered a church, and in the first 12 months of our journey together, we shared in 38 funerals. Small church, lot of death. Now, I have that experience of having multiple, and you just kind of go and do and be, and God provides. After 20-some funerals, I started to grind. You could smell it. If you paid attention, it was the kind of thing where you just had to put your head down, do the work, but my pastoral skills were not big enough to handle all of it. And I found myself leaning hard, and this will be interesting, leaning hard on the kitchen staff. You want to know why? Because that church had a reputation for doing funeral dinners. They had cheesy potatoes, and they had meatballs. It was the way in which we started to lean on each other. We had our rhythm down. We knew what we were doing. I knew that when I was getting into the, uh, into the car at the, at the cemetery, I was texting the one person who had a cell phone. And we were getting ready. 38 funerals. But you know what? I have been sharing in funeral dinners since the beginning of my ministry. And one of the realities is when you come from a small church, there is etiquette that you use. And one of the etiquette pieces is that somebody has to handle, hand the family the bill for the ham. And you want to know who usually got that job? I didn't like it. Here, we love you, we want you, and here's a bill. The kitchen crew and I fussed on this, and we finally came up with the sweetest gift. We decided that, yes, money was limited in our church. Yes, we couldn't always afford every meal as a gift to give. So what we would say when somebody would say, does this cost anything, we would say... If you would like to give a gift to the... I'm being waved at by a little one down here. He's got my heart. I'm sorry. If you would like to give a gift to the church, we will use it for the next funeral. We never ran out of money. We always had enough. And it was such a sweet way of loving each other with open arms. Friends, I love the fact that on Easter Sunday morning, we take time to look how it is that the resurrection story touched people's lives in unique ways, in multiple ways. Today, we're going to ask a few women to help us, and I am grateful for their testimony. So would you like to turn with me as we go to the 16th chapter of Mark? Let me read to you the first eight verses. And by the way, the, the more intellectual than me people say that we're really not sure where the gospel ends. 
that there are tag-ons and potential different endings, but I like where this one ends because you and I write the rest of the story. Here are these words. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? And now, almighty God, either through or in spite of this, thy servant, speak to these, your beloved ones, who will choose with the living of their days how to finish this story. In Jesus' name, amen. I am a verb girl. I pay attention to verbs. I think they help us understand a lot. The word stop is in the midst of this. We have people so afraid that they stop. We have people tripping over stones that may be in the way. We have other stories that we can refer to, like Thomas, who will later say, unless I see the holes in his hands and put my fingers in the hole in his side, I will not believe. We have Peter, who will go crashing about. In fact, will even be kind of fickle in what he understands to be the truth. This is a time where the verbs get really confusing and the direction we choose gets really confusing. It's very clear at the very end of our scripture that the word afraid has power. I find fear an interesting reality to live with. I find the way in which it affects people different. I know that you're probably aware of that wonderful little uh, word package that says fear means that you can have the energy you need to fight, 
or to flee, and now we add the word freeze. I, I'm kind of glad we added that word because I confess to you that when I'm afraid, I often just freeze. I know that there's energy to do something, but sometimes the process of getting my brain to make a choice just stalls out, and so I'm kind of like that baby deer that just sits there and watches something comes up to it. Fight, flight, or freeze. How? How do we begin to ascertain and begin to move ourselves out of that energy into the gift that Jesus would give us? I want to remind you that one of my basic assumptions is that we all understand that in our ancestry there's a concept called the emotional heart. I like to call it the Hebrew heart. And it's not something that's up here pumping away. It's here in your belly. I want you to think of where you feel guilt. Anybody want to own that? Where you fear fear. Where you feel anxiety. And you know what? Here it is, right there. No wonder we talk about getting ulcers. If we claim that understanding, we know that fear means that there is energy to do work. One of my primary fears is being left out. Now, I want you to know that I think that's a direct correlation to being fourth of five kids and the shortest and the shortest. The rest of them are up here. Being left out is a powerful fear. I remember going to annual conference session. We were going to elect our delegates to general conference. You know, that great big thing that most of the time meets every four years and we decide how it is that we will live together as United Methodists for the next four. It's a powerful thing to watch. 2,000 people descend and they work together and it's just sometimes a mess. You know, it's human. So we were at annual conference session and we were voting and we had elected our delegation to go and the bishop made them all come up onto the stage and they proceeded to cover the front and there they all were in all their glory and the little voice in my back of my head the one that always does that is aware of when I feel left out and when I feel included said can you see yourself up there is there somebody up there who kind of thinks like you, kind of understands the faith like you, can put words on those things, will take your heart with them as they go to general conference and do their good work? And I looked up there and I went, yeah, I see me up there. We're good with that. Did everybody represent me? but everybody represented that they were my brothers and my sisters, and for that I gave thanks. 
folk, I've been doing that kind of work for 43 years, attending annual conference sessions, electing delegates to general conference, and I cannot tell you the number of times I would look up at the row and not see me because my ministry started when women were pretty rare. And I didn't see somebody that looked like me. But I do promise you this. They were there because they loved the Lord. Being included is one of the most powerful ways of knowing that you matter. So one of the privileges of having the entire Bible is that you can look at various different remembrances of the resurrection and find yourself in those reflections. I'm kind of grooving today on the women who were afraid and didn't say anything, or at least for a while. We have been separated from each other for a serious good long season. And to sit here, stand here and look all at you is just making my preacher heart go nuts. Sit back, I'll be done in a while. It's wonderful. But friends, it's a side benefit. It's icing on the cake to be able to relate and engage and talk and care because what we are about today as the people of God is to stand in the presence of God and look into God's mirror and reflect on what we see and how God sees us. And then to claim that personally and take it into ourselves completely and then go out there and live in the reflection that we see in God's mirror. This is not my idea. I snagged this from all over the place. Worship is reflecting on what God sees us and the encouragement that comes. Pat, Last, or two Sundays ago, you sang. Two Sundays ago, last night. They're all looking the same to me, these two. Good. And I'm listening to you, and you sing your mother's favorite, and you have returned from walking your mother to death's gates and sending her home to God. These are the words that Pat sang, and I want you to listen, for this is the way we will close the sermon. Come, all Christians, be committed to the service of the Lord. Make your lives for him more fitted. Tune your hearts with one accord. Come into his courts with gladness. Each his sacred vows renew. Turn away from sin and sadness. Be transformed with life anew. God's command to love each other is required of everyone. Showing mercy to one another mirrors his redeeming son. In compassion he has given of his love that is divine. On the cross, sins were forgiven, joy and peace are fully thine.
come in praise and adoration. All who on Christ's name believe, worship him with consecration, grace, and love you will receive. For his grace, give him the glory for the spirit and the word. And repeat the gospel story till the word, world his name has heard. Amen. Amen. Friends, you are invited to rise, for rising is the way that we remember the resurrection. Be it with your legs or in your soul, we are people of the resurrection. In our gathering together each week, we remember that the offerings, tithes, and gifts that we bring, which are the way in which we ask God to be set free into the world through the mission and ministry of Sony Brook Church, for your faithfulness, I humbly thank you. Our Easter special offering, I call this third mile giving above and beyond the norm, is Grace Haven. You heard a beautiful explanation about that last week, and we are grateful for the way in which you support when others are demeaned and denied and negated. We say you matter. And then we want to flip things upside down just a little bit. As you leave today, you will receive what I've started calling cup in a cup. It is communion in the wonderful little configuration where the bread and the cup are packaged together. Therefore, it's very safe, but it's in a Dixie cup, so it's cup and cup. And we would like you to take it home and at some point take a moment and remember 
that the feast that Jesus fed his disciples is the feast that Jesus feeds you. You're to do three things. Number one, say thank you. What are you grateful for? Remember, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. Jesus took the cup and gave thanks. Say thank you. Number two, partake of the bread, remembering that Jesus broke it open, as Jesus will break your heart open. To this day, many of us call breaking bread together what we do at a meal. Number three, partake of the cup, the cup of salvation, the cup of love poured out the life source. Share that gift, be blessed by that gift, and may you receive it in an amazing way this week. Now, my friends, we have a tradition in this church where we have a unified benediction. May I remind you that the one who made you and the one who claimed you and the one who invites you into the future is with us all. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.